Welcome to the Strut South Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Greathouse. Today on the show, we're going to talk to Josh Carney. He's pretty big on social media. He does a lot of different things hunting-wise. He, he goes all over the country hunting deer and turkeys and all kinds of other stuff. And today we talked to him about that and kind of what he does and how he travels. And we also hit on a lot of different other topics involving deer hunting. So you guys stick around, listen, and let's get to it. All right, guys, welcome to episode 11. Today we've got Josh Carney on the other line with us. We're going to talk to him today. What's up, Josh? What's happening? Oh, not much, man. I'm uh, I'm pretty fired up to uh, talk with you. It's getting uh, it's getting crunch time now. Um, everybody's hunting. Uh, so tell us what tell us kind of what you got going on. Man, I uh, my season kicked off uh, September first uh, in Kentucky. Um, I was chasing after velvet whitetails, and uh, it didn't kick off as I planned it to, but. You know, that's part of hunting. I hunted for nine days, and I only seen uh, four bucks, um, which is one afternoon out of nine. They're just, they were just piled up in the beans. They wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't leave that food source. Um, they'd bed down in it, and they'd get up and, you know, head over to water. So I couldn't couldn't get in front of them. So I headed back home to Louisiana, uh, chased a couple of alligators for a couple of days, and then uh, from there I head down to your state, good old Georgia, for their, uh, their opening of bear season. I know uh, that it just opened recently, um, I think the last year or so. Um, so I'm going to head down there and try and get a, a nice bear on the ground. It's been a, been a while since I've actually uh, harvested a bear, so I'm excited about this trip. So from there, I'll, um, I'll come on back down to the good old state of Louisiana and uh, see what else I can tag out. Nice. Yeah, I, I hadn't uh, I had never been bear hunting Um and like you said, recently, we, we just now started having a bear season. Um, and uh, I've never, luckily, I've never seen a bear while I was hunting. So that's a good thing. But um, so you got the, you're, do, you're doing the, the Son of the South stuff, right? Oh, yeah. So um, I just mainly do um, social media. Um, I'm a social media influencer. That's the proper terminology for it. Um, I just promote different companies on social media and I promote myself. Um, under Sun and South, that's um, mainly Instagram, Facebook, and Instagram, my two main sources. Um, I'm dipping into YouTube. I don't know a ton about YouTube, but um, you know, I'm, I'm a little iffy about YouTube because now that um, they're getting stricter on the gun laws and things like that, it's going to make it a lot harder for hunters to do a lot of things on social media. So, you know, I'm just kind of you know weighing my options, see what I want to you know dip into and invest my time into, um, just to make sure it's not a waste for the future. Yeah, yeah. Um... I I will say I think um I think YouTube is it's almost like uh what what would you say probably the it's like the last frontier of social media as far as um you know as far as being restricted and such um I know Facebook's Facebook's kind of weird um Instagram maybe a little bit too but YouTube's, YouTube's pretty good. I like YouTube. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, the more that we get into, you know, the um, the left-wing side of things, you know, it's just it's just becoming a little bit, um, a little harder for us as hunters to make a footprint, you know, because everything that we do is um, people are trying to shut it down and, you know, just you know, get rid of the, the aspect of hunting in general. So, you know, when it comes to social media, things are um, changing a lot, Um because, you know, nobody wants to, well, the left side, you know, they don't want to um, see them being advertised. So it just makes it a little bit hard, especially if you're a um, social media influence that, you know, live um, live in the outdoors and promote the outdoors and the growth of hunting and fishing or anything outdoors. You know, it just makes it a little bit tougher when it comes to, you know, doing anything outdoors and promoting it on social media. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess we can – actually talk about some deer and stuff <laughs> maybe people probably didn't come here to talk about politics <laughs> well no 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 i, I uh, don't talk about politics <laughs> um so in louisiana um is is it pretty tough hunting there with it being well i don't it, i guess it depends on if you're like in the southern part or the northern part you know, be to be honest with you, it's uh, it's it's a lot harder down in South Louisiana to, um, to hunt deer because it's we don't have we don't have the you know the access to croplands and things like that. We just don't have um, that. It's, it's a lot of swamplands, you know, um, a lot of you know. My place here in Louisiana, they did a timber cut, so um, it's just tougher to hunt on places where you know um, buildings are being built and you know um, economies changing. So a lot of things are you know, becoming just a tad bit harder for, you know, um, a hunter because we have to, you know, fight with, you know, growth, you know, growth of the economy and things like that. So um, it's it's tough, you know. Um, we have access to public land, but um, there are so many people that hunt public land because, I mean, it's kind of, you know, becoming their only outsource, especially, you know, but leases are getting high and everything is, you know, a lot of things are being taken over. So it just, you know, forces a lot of people to hunt public land. So when you're hunting public land, you know, you kind of have to worry about, you know, who's next to you if you're hunting the same, you know, same branch of the woods or whatever. It just becomes a little bit tougher um, in the southern parts of Louisiana. But in north Louisiana, the hunting is a lot better um, around Kensaw, um, um, Crowville. I think I think it's called Black Lake or something like that. Um, but once you get up in the northern parts of Louisiana, right on that Louisiana-Arkansas line, um, it gets a lot better as far as um, the number of deer that you see and the quality of deer. Um, so for me, I like to stick in that in that midpoint between um, here, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where I'm from, and uh, that Tensar area. Um, I still get a good mix of you know number as far as deer, and I still get a, a good you know quality um, deer that I'd, I'd like to chase, but. I travel so much. I don't hunt Louisiana, but um, I'll hunt it for bow season um, a couple times, and then I'll come back late season when the rut kicks in. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like it's a sounds like it's a little bit of a. Um, it's like you have to think about what you're going to do before you do it. I guess. Um, yeah, I mean it, it, it's a toss up, you know, because you never know. Um, you never know what to expect when you're hunting. I mean, it's hunting in general, but yeah. you know, down. Just you know, it's a, it's a little tougher. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, speaking, of, you said you travel a lot, um, and I know, pretty. I'm pretty sure everybody knows the story. And if you want to 
touch on it, you can, or if not, you don't have to, but, um, you're in a, you have to, you hunt out of a wheelchair. And so kind of explain, how do you go about doing that? And what are some of the things that you do to, to be able to hunt from a wheelchair? <laughs> it just depends on the day, man. Uh, I've had, I've had days where I could just get out my truck and roll to a blind. I've had days where, um, I've got my chair stuck and I had to crawl to a blind. I've had a lot of days um, struggling with hunting out of a wheelchair, but um, every day in the outdoors has been a good day. So, I mean, I really can't complain about any of them. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I started out hunting. Um, let me backtrack. So, I'll, I'll just give a brief um, spill about my story. So, back in 2005, me and my dad um, went turkey hunting for the first time. And um, the turkey came behind a tree that I was sitting on my dad's shot, <clears throat> and shot which left me paralyzed um so from there i had to um re you know reevaluate my whole um lifestyle and adapt to my hunting situation um so over the years i had to figure out ways to um hunt from a chair and be you know effective and be um successful by doing that and um i've hunted out of ground blinds for um majority of my you know hunting career hunting you know, line, but, you know, it's something about, you know, just being able to get elevated and hunting in a, a box blind or a, a ladder stand or something like that that just, you know, changes the whole world from hunting, you know, in a ground blind. And there's some opportunities where, you know, if I want to hunt someplace, you know, I'll pull myself up into a ladder stand. Um, it's a little bit tougher, but, you know, it, it changes the whole ball game for me. Um, I'm able to see, you know, get on a, you know, a, or quote-unquote average hunter's level um, when it comes to viewpoint. I kind of, you know, get that little bit of advantage um, versus hunting in the ground blind. So, you know, it just depends on the situation and, you know, what I want to do as far as um, how I want to hunt a place or how I want to hunt a certain animal. Um, but ground blind is my main ticket. I, you know, I, I really um, started shying away from ground blinds over the past couple of years because – I've had um, some issues where I'd get to a new spot, I'd set up a ground blind, and a deer would come in and look at the ground blind and know something's up, and he'd just bust me. Um, so um, in some situations, if, I, uh, if I'm hunting a new spot, I'll just take a, I have a track chair, which is a, like a, it's like a, a mini bulldozer, um, just in a wheelchair version. And I'll take that, and I'll go in a, in a, in a brush collar. I'll make a little blind, and um, I'll just sit there because, I mean, it's still – a natural blind set. It's a natural environment, and um, it works. It hides me. I still hunt that area with without a big shadow or a hub of a tent. You know, big, and you can pick up on it a lot easier than I can pick up on, you know, me sitting in a chair in a brush pile. So it just depends on you know where I'm at, you know, the hunting situation, or um, you know how many days I'm going to be there, and if I have time to prepare a stand before I get there. So, yeah. you know, with that being said, it just, you know, it just depends on when I'm hunting, um, where I'm hunting and how long I'm going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, I saw a uh, video. I don't know. I think it was last deer season. Um, <clears throat> you were hunting somewhere and you ended up shooting a deer or something and you had to like drag him with your, with your wheelchair through a swamp or something. That was, uh, <laughs> I was actually kind of impressed. <laughs> yeah, so that was um that was actually here in Louisiana. Um I was uh in Franklinton, Louisiana. So it's a little little bit of north Louisiana, um, northeast Louisiana. 
um, before we get to Mississippi. Um, I was sitting in a blind, a buddy of mine, Brian Barber, and his little boy, Bryce, um, they were, you know, they are gracious enough to let me hunt uh, Bryce's stand, actually. They already had a stand set up. So, I mean, I just went in there and I sat and um, I honestly just went to get away and I had to finish some paperwork and stuff like that. So, I was sitting in the blind, you know, finishing up emails and sending emails. And then uh, once I finished, you know, doing what I was doing, I looked up and there was a, a, um, a smaller buck come out. And then there was an eight point that came out with the deer. And, uh, you know, long story short, I, I shot the deer and um, we had to go find it. So we ended up tracking and finding it. And, uh, luckily, it was, um, it died on the logging road. So I just, uh, I hooked it up to, um, my track chair and you know from there i just you know pulled it out you know you know everybody else is you know not looking to do leg work so if i got this machine that can do it i might as well just do it (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah um and you like well you said you said that you started out uh turkey hunting and uh i'm sure so i'm guessing you really like turkey hunting or do you still turkey hunt no turkey hunting's my passion i mean i'm you know, being from a turkey hunting accident, I think that has um, fueled my fire just a little bit more to make me love turkey hunting just, you know, that much more. Um, for me, I think um, it's a love-hate relationship. You know, I love chasing them, but I just I hate it when they don't come in. You know, it's just it's just that that push that push and pull magnet for turkeys that um that really get me going. You know, I mean, I love the thrill of the chase. I mean, that's that's why I love turkey hunting more than. Um, deer hunting any other hunting because I mean it's that it's the thrill of the chase that really gets me excited you know hearing the bird gobble off in the distance and you know it, it's a game of checkers you know are you gonna are you gonna win or is he gonna win it you know it's a it's one of those animals that you have to you know really put in time to hunt and um I say put in time to hunt but you know there's some people that like to um, sit on the field and hunt for turkeys and you know some people that just like to you know, run and gun, and I'm, I'm one of those guys that just like to run and gun and, you know, chase after um, this bird until I get the job done. So, I mean, that, yeah. that's, I think that's what drives me. I think I, I love, you know, that motion of being active chasing this animal. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I love it, too, and uh, that's that's what I like to do. I like to run and gun and chase them. Um, you know, actually, we, we kind of spoke about it earlier, <laughs> Uh, last episode I did was with a guy named Lewis Backless, and he hunts off of his horse for deer, for whitetails. And um, but that's that's what I was going to tell you too that he we kind of talked about it and and it's pretty similar to basically turkey hunting. It's almost like he turkey hunts deer. That's pretty neat, actually. Yeah, I mean it's it's different. I've never seen anyone do it. I mean I'm. I guess, you know, they've done it out west a lot um, for, you know, um, elk and things like that. But, I mean, for deer, you know, that's got to be a little bit challenging, especially for archery hunting. I think that's really neat how uh, how he's done that. I think it, the process of that would be pretty cool to, you know, see and study. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's pretty it's pretty awesome. Um, but, yeah, actually, I was going to say this episode here, it's, uh, it's going to be aired we're we're recording this it's actually a week ahead of when it'll be coming out so but by then it'll be basically right in the middle of september um so when when does y'all season or well talk about let's talk about um some of the places you mainly go to hunt like 
where because uh, you have to deal with like different season dates and all that. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, so with me traveling as much as I do, I like to um, I like to change it up a little bit. Um, you know, some years I like to um, hunt the state. You know, a couple times a year, um, if it's easy access for me. So the thing with being in Louisiana, I have to, you know, the driving part is, you know, what really um, kind of puts a hold on things. I mean, I can't drive to, you know, here to this, you know, every other week or you know, every month or whatever. Um, so I just kind of like to base it off, you know, the the travel time for me and how um, how efficient it would be for me to go there and travel. Um, but, you know, once you get past, you know, um, the southern states, you get to the mid-states, like the Midwest or, you know, um, Kentucky, Indiana, things like that, you know, the quality of deer and the numbers of deer um, increase tremendously. So, you know, just getting out of that, that barrier of, you know, the deer that we have here in the south, um, you know, not seeing the numbers and not seeing um, the quote-unquote quality of animals. I, I keep saying quality, but... You know, a trophy is in the eye beholder. So I'm not yeah, saying, yeah. you know, I'm not saying, you know, I'm looking for big animals, but, you know, I want something that, you know, if I'm going to travel for, I want something I can't get here at home. Right. Um, and, you know, being in states like, you know, a high quality state that has a lot of deer, um, it gives you an opportunity to see, you know, more deer with better genetics and, you know, that are on, um, agriculture and better food sources that can grow bigger and you know go from there so as i'm going to travel i'm going to look for something you know that i can't hunt here at home yeah so um this year i hunted kentucky um which is a great state it's a it's one of those states it's a sleeper state you know a lot of people are finding out about it but the you know genetics and quality of deer that they have there is absolutely amazing yeah um yeah i agree last year you know, i hunted tennessee last year um year before last i hunted tennessee and um, that was that's been a great state too because they're you know um, the northern part of Tennessee. Um, oh, let's see, we're like um, Murfreesboro area, you know, a little north of Nashville, you know, areas like that. You know, they're producing great deer, um, and it, it's it's another one of the states you know that's becoming a sleeper state. They killed you know new state record in in Tennessee, like near Nashville, like I think like forty something points. So, you know, states like that, you know, they're just being overlooked. They have the, the means to produce great animals. And, um, you know, so that's the places that I want to hunt, especially if I want to travel forward. You know, those are the places that I want to hunt. Um, when it comes to filming and trying to, you know, do a, an outdoor television show, you know, people like seeing, um, they like seeing, for one, they like seeing a personality, and they love seeing, you know, um, a good number, a good quality of animals being harvested. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of what I like to, you know, present, um, you know, through my son and South deal and everything like that. So, but to be honest with you, I'm not one of those guys that score deer. I don't want them care to put tape measure on deer. If I'm happy pulling trigger at that moment, then I'm happy, you know, posting on social media or, or filming or whatever. I mean, it, it, that's just, you know, my motto. If I'm going to harvest an animal, I'm going to be happy with it from that moment to the moment that it's on my plate, to the moment that I eat it, to the moment that it's on my wall. Yeah. You know, um, and I'm not really worried about, you know, um, offending someone by um, harvesting an animal. Right. Because I put in my time, I put in, you know, a lot of miles on a vehicle, you know, I pay for that tag, and I put in my hours in the field to hunt an animal. So, you know, it just it just goes to, you know, making for a great story and a great memory and a great hunt 
you know, to share with your friends and your family and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, actually you mentioned, it reminded me, uh, the deer you're talking about in Tennessee had 40 something points. I think that deer, didn't it? Is that the same deer that scored like 300 and something inches or something? It scored a lot. I, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what 300, but it scored a lot. I mean, it's a new state record for Tennessee. Right, for sure. right. I know. I uh, I think it is. I think it's the, the Tucker buck is the buck that it was. Um, I actually did a uh, podcast with uh, JNS Sense. He's, um, he's a guy that knows. He actually hunted. The, the boy that shot the deer actually hunts with those uh-huh. guys. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, man, I – like like you said, I mean, I'm the same way you are. I with this podcast and what we do with Strut South, we of course we want to kill big deer. Everybody wants to kill a big deer, and and everybody I, wants. To yeah, and I I feel like I say this every single episode that I do for this podcast, but I I don't I don't think it can be stressed enough. Is it it to me? It doesn't matter what you shoot. Doesn't matter how big it is or how small it is. To me, it's just—I mean, if he makes you—if it makes you happy and you're fired up to see that deer and he gets your heart pumping, man, shoot him. But um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. If he gets your heart pounding, you know, definitely let it fly. I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you—I've had some experiences where I—I've uh, had a big mature doe come in, and you know, she's yeah. you know 20 yards or however close, you know. I think a big doe is one of the hardest thing to kill now in the woods. Oh yeah, they've seen so much and they know, you know, they know what's up in the right. I mean, if a big doe walks in, and gets my heart pounding, you know, I'm gonna let a, I'm gonna let an arrow fly or I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. But I mean, I I get a thrill just out of doing that. I mean, so you know, if that makes your heart pump and makes you, you know, oh auntie to do it and do it. I mean, I wouldn't worry about you know, um, what other people think because right. they're not you. So I mean, you know, just do what makes you happy and at the end of the day you're happy you know don't be affected by people that don't know you that have no you know um no pretty much you know say so in your life but you know do your thing be happy harvest what you need to harvest put food on your table feed your family and have a good time share memories with friends you know if you miss one laugh about it you know don't get don't beat yourself up about it i mean because we all know Justin, and Justin <laughs> misses a lot. Sorry, but, you know, it is what it is. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, some people, I mean, now, you know, the hunting the hunting world is taking hunting way yeah. too serious, you know. Um, I, I like it when, you know, people sit back, laugh, have a good time, and they're not all serious about, you know, oh, well, I wouldn't shoot that deer. You shouldn't have done it this or, you know, things like that. You know, it's just – uh, there's so much negativity that's inside the world as it is that we don't need to reflect that on you know, our other hunters. So, you know, that being said, get out there, enjoy hunting. If it makes you happy, pull a trigger. You know, if you miss it, you know, pack up, go back home and go back to the drawing board and do it another day. You know, don't don't sweat the little things. Just, you know, go out yeah. and do what makes you happy. And, you know, keep a smile on your face. And you can share that to, you know, a younger generation and pass it on to someone that's not hunting, that wants to try hunting, then do it. I mean, if that is, you know, what makes you tick and makes your heart pop, then do it. Share that story with someone else, you know, get someone else involved in the outdoors. And, you know, like I said, it doesn't have to be perfect, but, you know, making friends in the outdoors is something that, you know, you, you have to you yeah. cherish forever, you know, because you have, you have a friend, you have a partner for life, you got a hunting buddy. 
you know, you got someone that, you know, when things get hard, you can go reflect to the woods and just, you know, share time in nature. I mean, that, that's a bond right there. That's a bond that, you know, a lot of people, you know, in this world today will never experience, but, you know, um, they should experience it. So if you got someone that's, you know, interested in hunting or wants to learn about it, you know, take them out. Don't be all serious about it. Just go out and have a good time. Have fun and camp, light a fire, kick back, relax, you know, tell those big white lies around the campfire that no one ever would believe, but you make it sound good enough to have a good time. And that's what it's yeah, all about. To yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. I mean, my, my, of course, and I mean, that's why I made this podcast. You know, we wanted to do it with Strut South TV. We want to, we just want to show the realness of hunting and, it doesn't matter to us what the, with me especially my only goal is to shoot a mature buck whether he, it doesn't matter how big he is and yeah and speaking of like i guess speaking on mature bucks you you hunt a lot in all across the country basically what um and you were talking about uh, like sleeper states and and i i really do believe that georgia is a pretty big sleeper state um, you know what? To be honest with you, now that Georgia has passed that um, new law where you can bait in the state of Georgia, I think that's going to change a lot of things for a oh, lot yeah. of people this oh, yeah. year. Um, I think the number of deer that's going to be called in is going to increase. I think the um, the the I think your records are going to start pulling up a little bit better. I think you know that that law change for this year is going to increase a lot. For yeah, I do too. I mean. I'm, I'm not usually one to point fingers or whatever, but I mean, I, I want to say you know there were probably some people already doing it before, you know, because during deer season, <laughs> you'd go to Walmart and during deer season they sold corn, <laughs> and it was always sold out. But it wasn't never <laughs> they didn't ever sell corn when the season wasn't in. So, I mean, it doesn't take a scientist, you know, but. But there was, I'm sure there was, and I knew, I knew, I mean, just about everybody I know, you know, they abided by the law and we all do what we can. We do our best and we all abide by the law. But um, I I really do think that it's going to be a game changer. Um, I mean, I can, I can already tell it, I can already tell it this year. Um, there's already been several bucks getting killed, you know, 170s, 180, it was a 190. Some guy shot a 190-inch buck up in um i want to say he was close to atlanta somewhere around one of those counties around atlanta somewhere but there's some huge huge deer in georgia it's just it's just a little bit harder to find them i think but um but well you know once you start putting it out that you know food source that they can come to you i mean i don't know how it is in georgia i mean i don't i know that you guys have a lot of pine trees and you know you may have a you know um some hardwoods and things like that but as far as um, cropland, I don't think you guys grow a lot of corn and um, beans or things like that. Do you? I mean, I know it's. I mean, last time I hunted in Georgia, there was a lot of um, cotton fields. And I know you know deer yeah. cotton. So I um, I think that you know putting that food out or that food source out, I think you know that draws deer in to so they have a food source um, when things get tough. Um, so as far as you know, after the acorns drop, I think it's gonna you know that food source is gonna help them you know, keep going, you know, to um, keep them coming back right. as far as, you know, 
coming back for nutrition and have a source. Um, so I think, like I said, I think, you know, that, that bait law is, is definitely going to help a lot of people out when it comes to, you know, hunting. Georgia. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and, and I, and, and it was just for so long, I, I was always wondering why it wasn't legal because the Southern part of the state was legal and the Northern part wasn't. I mean, the way I look at it is if you're going to do it, do it for the whole state. Don't just cut it all up into pieces. And, uh, but it, it I think it's going to definitely help. And speaking of the Southern part of the state, that's, that's where you were asking about, or you said something about, you know, cropland. Um, South Georgia is, I'm going to say 90 to 80% maybe cropland. I mean, it's a lot of cropland. Like you got peanuts, you got, cotton fields you got peach orchards you got pecan orchards i mean there's a lot of cropland in south georgia north georgia really not so much it's more north georgia you get up in there it's more you know wooded and it's more hilly and you got more you know hardwood bottoms and stuff like that but and i i i just think that's one of the reasons that Georgia could be a really good state for some big bucks and because uh, I mean it's super dense but it also it also does have have some nutrition now I think you know with the with the right amount of um, hunting pressure I mean not over hunting but I think the right amount of hunting pressure and you know the deer that do get to grow um, you know from hunting um, from hunting either outfitters or hunting leases or camps or whatever um, you know, with the right source of management, I think that Georgia could be pulling in a lot of, you know, great potential deer, um, especially if, you know, they do a good management program. I mean, so not only Georgia in general, but, I mean, a lot of the southern states, I think is, they could do um, really well and, you know, efficient if they, you know, do um, a lot better management plans. Because um, here in Louisiana, I think we kill, like, uh, six deer. And, um, you know, that six deer per hunter, that takes – you know, it takes a lot of the herd. Um, but I think we only have like a, I don't think we have a restriction on antlers, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, well, but if- I was going to say um, here, and this is another thing I've said several times on this podcast. I mean, our season, our tags, like we get, we get 10, 10 doe tags and two, yeah. and two buck tags. That's, that's 12 deer per hunter. So yeah. you think about it. I mean, every hunter is not killing twelve deer a year. That's just not possible. But if if a if every hunter did kill all their if they did fill all their tags, I mean that's that's a lot of deer. That is a lot of deer. <laughs> I mean, but but just think about this. So say if you have so say if you got a hunting lease with, you know, um five thousand or ten thousand acres and you know, two members tag out. So that's twelve that's twenty four deer right there on that amount of land. Yeah, and say oh, you know, another two members tag out half. You know that's still a lot of deer for that amount of area. Yeah, I mean, and then you think about it. You know, your does are the ones that are reproducing. So if you kill, you know, thirty does out of a place that size, then that's hurting your herd as far as you know trying to um, maintain the population of deer or you know grow a, a healthier herd. I mean. I understand, you know, that a lot of people don't shoot those and, you know, they get a free pass. But, I mean, 
once you get some guy that wants to, you know, really thin out the herd or say that they need to kill that many does, then you get to start, you know, you get to putting a dent in your herd and, you know, things just, you know, go south of there. Yeah. Yeah. If you got, if you've got a 500 acre lease and you got eight guys on it, that's, that's basically a hundred deer if, if every one of them tag out, which, but that, yeah. but that wouldn't, I mean, of course they wouldn't all tag out, but 500 acres that's that's probably all 500 acres is going to hold is 100 deer, in my opinion. Yeah, but it's, it's not going to hold a ton because, I mean, so say, you know, two acres per deer. I mean, you know, that's 200 deer, 250 deer or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, you wipe out 100 of those deer, you got 150 left. And say, you know, half of that, you're half bucks and half doe, and then you got um, 150 left, so... You know, you get a couple of them that are that that did have fawn, so you drop sixty fawns. You know, those fawns have to make it to the next year. I mean, it, it just becomes a lot tougher when you're doing the map and things like that because you know you have to worry about you know predators. How many of those fawns are going to make it to the next year? Yeah. And then next year you have to worry about how many of those fawns are going to make it through, um, you know, things like EHD or sickness or you know, um, being hunted. You know, because you have to. You know, when you start putting, you know, calculating all that, you know, that high number of deer that's being taken, it, it can really, you know, it can really hurt a state really quick. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, you know, focus on, you know, we have to kill. Um, shooting a doe doesn't hurt your bucks. Well, in a sense it doesn't, but in a sense, that's where your bucks are coming from. You know, you just have to, you know, put that into, you know, a variation because, you know, as you kill – you know, two bucks, that's really not hurting your, your deer herd that much because they're just the breeders. So, if, you know, two bucks run around on, you know, 60 acres, you got 30 does, and they breed 15 of those does. Well, heck, 15 does, they have, you know, twins. That's 30 deer right there. And out of those 30 deer, 15 of those can be bucks. So, you know, if you do the math about it, you know, saving those does really isn't hurting the herd that much. It's actually helping build it up if you, you know, you get down in details about it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, and I, and that's like I said, I think, you know, with Georgia, I, I really do think Georgia's coming along and getting better and it's a sleeper state. So, and I, so with that, it makes me think, you know, it's actually, it makes it more of a fact that I don't think people are actually shooting that many does. But um, I had a, I had a conversation with uh, Bronson Strickland. He's a wildlife biologist at Mississippi State University and uh, had an awesome conversation with him. And we talked a lot about that, about your does and stuff like that. And actually, when you shoot a buck, it actually, I think it helps your herd more than it hurts it. Um, no, because I, when I you, see that. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah, because when you, when you shoot a buck, I mean – Every deer's the same. I don't know if it matters if it's a buck or a doe, how much they eat. But um, if anybody's lit, whoever's, if y'all are listening to this, go check out MSU Deer Lab on YouTube. There's a video they've got on there, and it shows you how much a, a an adult, no, not an adult. I think it was a two-year-old, two or three-year-old deer that was a hundred. That's only 150 pounds. It shows you how much a deer that size eats in one day. 
and it is a lot. It's like a, it's like a, looks, it looks like a 50 gallon tub. Wow. And, um, okay. yeah, it's, it's huge. It's, it's huge. Basically, I'm now I'm no scientist, but I'm going to say it's like one fifth or one sixth of their body weight a day is what they eat. But, but I don't, I'm, don't, don't, don't quote me on that because I might be wrong. But that video explains it and shows it really, really well. And and when you shoot a buck or or even a doe, a mature deer, that's you know pretty good size, you're taking, a, you're saving a lot of food. You're leaving a lot of food on the table for the rest of your deer. Now I could definitely see that. And uh, yeah, totally agree. You know, I I think that you know a lot of states if. If they'll follow, you know, some of the rules like Kentucky or um, I think Ohio and uh, maybe Indiana, you know, that that one that one deer state or even if it's just a, a two deer state or whatever, I think that can do tremendous for a lot of states as far as helping them. I mean, they don't have to do it forever, but, you know, just do it for a couple of years just to let the, you know, the herd, you know, balance itself out and get back to, you know, the numbers that it needs to be. I think that would help out tremendously on a lot of states. Yeah, I agree. Um, and and even like you were saying, you know, you know, you were talking about taking that many deer on a property or whatever, and you had like 150 left or 100 or whatever it was. Um, Say so you got however many phones you got. Most of the time, the phones that you have, say so you got 60 phones, like you said, you probably only going to have half of them the yeah. next season yeah due to due to non-hunters like anything predatory or anything um so you got to take that into consideration too we're not the only we're not the only ones out there trying to get these deer yeah i mean you know then you have there there's things that you know so you know things that 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 harm a whitetail i mean you have prayers for one you have you know illnesses and sickness and then you have, you know, uneducated deer that, you know, so deer can't, you know, deer can't determine um, two dimension or three dimension. So they get hit by car. That's why deer get hit by car so much. They can't, you know, determine depth of field. So, I mean, if you get fawns out there that, you know, don't run with predators, they can't outrun a predator, or they get sick from EHD, or, you know, they, they get to the point where they're trying to cross the road or get somewhere following their mom or whatever and they get hit by a car. You know, things like that really can hurt a, a, the deer population more than hunters. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, it just, you know, when you look at it, you know, you kind of have to, you know, be considered about, you know, the number of animals you take, you know, versus what they face on a yearly basis. You know, as a hunter, we're not just out there to kill animals. We're also out there to be conservationists. So, you know, if you, you think about what a deer has to go through in their lifespan you know, it really makes you, you know, a little bit more selective about what you harvest, how much you harvest and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I agree completely. And I just, I do want to, I mean, I, I, again, I, again, well, like what we're saying is if you want to go out and hunt and shoot a deer, then go shoot it. I mean, don't let, don't let what we're saying stop you. We're just, 
if you are in that group that wants a better herd or wants bigger deer, wants to hunt bigger deer, then I mean that's that's what it takes. Um, I'm not I'm not trying to you know discourage anyone from going out there. Yeah, yeah. Know, harvesting deer, you know, but what I'm saying is, if you're gonna do it, you know, don't complain about you're not killing this quality deer, you know. Right, put in, right. Putting the time and you know the work to let them, you know, grow into that, you know, um, just give them the give them the opportunity to do that, you know. I mean, I know I understand. You know, a lot of people, um, they're they're different classes of hunters. They're meat hunters and they're trophy hunters. You know, if you want to be a meat hunter, that is totally fine. You know, put deer in the freezer, feed the family. That's great. But if you want to be a meat hunter and a trophy hunter at the same time you have to understand there's a fine line between the two when it comes to you know being a little bit more selective about what you harvest and how much you harvest yeah yeah i completely agree and i that, i think that's one of the biggest things i think like with the state of georgia i think if if they change the, i mean and and, and again I, I love the way our season is and it's a super super long deer season but if they changed it to a shorter rifle season, I really think Georgia would blow up. And I mean, I, I really, and some people might think I'm, I'm crazy when I say this, but I really do think Georgia could compete with Iowa if our rifle season wasn't three months long. You know, and I, I believe Louisiana could have a lot better potential <clears throat> if our rifle wasn't three months long too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it gives those deer an opportunity to, you know, have a chance to rest and, you know, get it, it gives them a little bit more chance, a little bit better chance of survival when they don't have to step out at 400 yards without being shot. Yeah, I mean, but again, the the good thing about the rifle season being long is it provides an opportunity for basically anybody to go hunt. Yeah. And. And that's, I mean, that's another huge problem. And I mean, we don't have to get into it, but hunter hunting numbers are way down. And so, and it's just like you were saying earlier, you know, get somebody into hunting. I mean, cause it's all about fun. That's what it's all about. It is. It is all about fun. You know, I think, like I said, I'll go back to it. And you know, I think a lot of people are making hunting way too competitive, competitive, you know, and it shouldn't be, you know, it's it's all it hunting has lost the value of the tradition that it was built on and i i hate to say it like that but i mean that's the that's the story that's the fine line between you know hunting as um a tradition and hunting for um personal preferences or you know egos even um you know i i think when the whole game of inches was brought into the hunting community i think that has hurt the hunting community in general um because it gives people opportunity to be debbie downers when it comes to someone else's harvest and you know that that turns a turns a lot of people away from you know harvesting animal or posting a harvest because you know they don't want to be judged by what they do so you know i i think that's you know that's one reason you know a lot of people aren't getting into hunting because you know you know a lot of people are scared to get bashed about it i mean yeah, you know, because you're getting bashed by, you know, PETA, you know, listen, I've had, you know, people threaten to take my life because I harvest an animal. I mean, it just gets to that point where it just gets, you know, it gets to you. It actually, you know, it can actually 
bother you because you're doing something you love and you're being criticized for it. So, I mean, I can see where a lot of people come from when they don't want to, you know, um, post it on social media. They don't want to, you know, tell people what they do. I mean, it's it's not a factor of embarrassment. They just don't want to be judged by it because, you know, it's tough when people don't see things the way you see it. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, well, you were – that's what I wanted to ask earlier um, was about, you know, you going around and hunting all these different places. What are – and we got to talking about Georgia and stuff like that, but what are um, what are some of the differences that you see, like, from, like, the Midwest compared to the South or Southeast or whatever? You know, terrain is just about everything. Um, so last year I hunted Kansas, and – um, being from Louisiana, I would have never expected a deer to show up in this place. Um, we were hunting if like, from where I was staying, I could see into Colorado and I could see into Nebraska from the front porch. There was no trees, nothing, nothing but, you know, fields. And I think this is a time where it's like, um, planting season or I don't know, they just harvested or what. Um, but you could see for miles. I mean, like absolutely see for miles and to expect a deer to come out in these, you know, um, little patches of woods with a little bit of a cornfield or whatever, you know, it was different. You know, I didn't expect to, you know, see the number of deer or even see deer, you know, but in places like that, if you have trees, you have, uh, you know, you have a, an amount of animals in that tree line. Cause that's all they have. Um, even for turkeys, you know. Um, Nebraska was the same way. If you had trees, you had turkeys. I mean, you had an abundant amount of turkeys. I mean, we sat in a blind under like maybe the only set of trees on this property. And by the time daylight came, there was 200 birds out in the field in front of us. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, if, you know, places like that, it, it, it's different from hunting here because. I have never seen 200 birds in the South land anywhere near each other. No. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> you know, the terrain and the territory and a number of animals, you know, further North or further West is, you know, way higher than the number of animals down here in the Southern States. And, you know, to be, yeah. to be honest with you, I think, you know, not trying to, you know, deter anyone from, hunting the south for you know not trying to you know say it's easier in the north but i think that it is a lot um i think it's easier to hunt in you know the northern states or the midwest states um not because um <clears throat> not hunting is easier but there's more the number of deer there is higher and you get to hunt them in a different style um some states you can spot and stalk and you know, once you start, you know, glassing animals, you can, you know, put a move on it. Like here in the South, you have so much, you know, going against you. You can't spot and stalk anything down here. I mean, unless you're starting to spot and stalk a rattlesnake or copperhead. Um, <laughs> but I mean, just, you know, the terrain is, I think that's everything when it comes to, you know, hunting different areas of the country. Um, that's what I, I, that's what I've experienced at least. Yeah. I, I, I think I agree. I mean, I've never hunted with in the Midwest. Actually, no, I, we hunted Missouri. Um, it's been two two years ago, three years ago now. And man, it was. We didn't. We actually got 
we got gypped a little bit because we planned a trip. It was me, Justin, and Peyton, and we all went up there. Great guy invited us to come up. Kevin Timms, we're, we're all were you know friends with him, and uh, he invited us to come up. He had him a little place up there. It was a lease of about a little bit less than two hundred acres, and uh, but we went up there and hunted, and it was. When we left to go, like, we drove the whole way, so it was a good drive. It was about 15 hours, but, but man, it was so fun. Like, we didn't see any deer. We didn't we didn't kill deer. Actually, I saw one deer. It was like a little six-pointer, and Justin actually rattled in a, a small eight, I think it was. But, and that's the only deer we saw for the four days that we were up there. But man, it was it was a blast. Like the drive up there, the drive back, the whole trip. I mean, we had we had a great time. But um, we didn't we didn't tag anything. But I tell you, man, it was it was pretty awesome. The it was beautiful country. I mean, it was cornfields everywhere. It's first time I'd ever hunted anywhere like that. So, I mean, I got a kick out of it. But we we did get gypped. We we got gypped on it because. The day, it was like the day or two days before we were going to leave, the forecast for the weather was like, it was it was going to be awesome. It was right at the end of October, and it was supposed to be like, the low was supposed to be like in the high 30s, Ooh. low 40s. Get weather. Yeah, it was going to be like 40 degrees the whole time we were there. And then, so... We wait, you know, day two more days or whatever, and we go to leave. And on the way up there, we realize the front that they said was going to be there, it actually came early. So <laughs> we missed it, like, by two days. And by the time we got up there, it was like, I want to say 70, 80. It was the same. I mean, it, it felt like we were hunting Georgia. Yeah, that's that tough. Hot. That's tough. <clears throat> and, uh... But man, it was a fun trip. It was it was a super fun trip. You know, another thing about Missouri or like states like that, the access to public land hunting is really good. To be honest with you, um, there's so many bow only places that you can hunt on. Um, you know, in Missouri, or there's you know, I've met a lot of people you know in the Northwest states that you can just knock on their door and ask if you know you can hunt their land, and you know they're really you know generous about it oh. yeah that's not the case that's usually not the case down here no no it's a little different <laughs> now. but you know th- a lot of the farmers up there they see deer and turkey as a pest so i mean they they're yeah they're thankful that you get to hunt them they're thankful for you hunting them um so i mean if you're gonna do another trip i mean i'd look to you know hunting some public land get on a um you know a um a map from a um, Department of Wildlife and Fishery and just look at the different areas and, you know, figure out an area that, you know, you like and you want to hunt and, you know, do your homework from your home before you go up there and, you know, spend hours of scouting. Um, yeah. I mean, you could you figure out tunnels and, you know, where deer are traveling, where they want to be by looking at a map on a computer um, before even stepping, you know, a foot on a property. Um but yeah, that's what I do. I mean, if you're gonna go and you know plan a trip out somewhere, uh, look into doing some public land hunts, especially you know the ones, the areas that are bow hunting only, because there's sometimes that you won't see a person on that place for a whole week or two weeks. You know, 
I don't know what it is yeah. about places like that, but they have the number of deer and they don't have the pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. It's, there's a lot of places like that that provide some uh, public land and some places provide a big enough, you know, enough acreage of public land that, you know, you're not really stepping on anybody's toes. Yeah, no, um, it's amazing. Some of the public land places, you know, in the Midwest or, you know, um, those central states. You know, yeah. I wouldn't be afraid to go up there and hunt on public land, especially if it's a bow hunting area. You don't have to worry about, you know, someone, you know, being, you know, shooting a rifle your way or, you know, being right on top of you. I mean, you have a full area to hunt. I mean, even if you're, you know, 150 yards from the next person, you know, hopefully you're not. But even if that is the case, you don't have to worry about, you know, really messing up that person, that person messing you up unless, you know, they really just don't like you and start, you know, doing things to mess up your hunt. You know, if you're both sitting and staying quiet and you're waiting on deer, you know, you're on two different paths. You know, a lot of things can yeah in that, you know, 150, 200 yard area. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd look into some, you know, public land bow hunting areas. Yeah, especially it's uh, that's a good point too. Especially if uh, if if that property is like super super thick, I mean, two hundred yards is a pretty good ways. One hundred fifty yards is still a good ways for a deer. If if it's like if if it's so thick that you can almost barely walk through it, I mean, which is that's money. Like, that's where you want to be at for deer, and. If it's that thick and you got somebody else in there hunting too, you know, unless you're, you know, super paranoid about your wind and scent and all that stuff, um, you'll be all right. You know, even if it's, even if it's like, um, if you're hunting a ridge line or, you know, a ridge top or whatever, if you got someone 200 yards on the other side of a ridge, I mean, it really is not going to bother you that much because, I mean, that deer can run that ravine or, you know, it could, you know, it could, it, there's a lot of things that could take place you know, within that 200-yard area. For one, you can't shoot 200 yards with a bow, so it really doesn't matter. You have to be, you know, within that 30, 40-yard margin. So, I mean, if you're sitting on a trail, that person could be sitting on a whole different, a whole another trail, you know, that deer pass through. So, I mean, it's really not making a huge bit of difference if, you know, you're that spaced out from each other, especially when it comes to bow hunting. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I agree, man. It's I've, I've there's actually some places in Georgia, a lot of a lot of public land here in Georgia where I'm at, and uh, I hunted a lot, and I, I might, I might, I might regret talking about it on here because <laughs> I would rather people not come and hunt it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, but no, I mean I turkey hunt. I turkey hunt a bunch of public land, and it's actually I'm I'm extremely fortunate for it to be i'm I'm within like 30 minutes of like uh, probably eleven thousand acres of public land so it's it's pretty nice and you know another thing so um back to my whole wheelchair situation you know i just want to put out some information for the people that you know actually have a disability or um are in a chair or have some kind of you know physical challenge there are a lot of places out there that are public land areas that have areas inside them just for handicapped hunters. And those places aren't touched by, you know, your average Joe hunter. You know, they are, they're, they're sanctuaries. Um, some places do hunts one time a year for um, disabled hunters to go in. And the rate 
of harvest is extremely high because no one goes in and pressure those deer. Um, the pressure from the outside or from around that area pushes deer into that place, and you have a great opportunity to harvest an animal. So if you're looking to, if you don't have access to a hunting camp or you know a hunting lease, call around, look into doing some um, public land hunting and ask them if they have a um, hunting area that is strictly reserved for someone with a disability. Um, I know down here in Louisiana, we have um, public land hunting areas that have um, access to places like that. They have their own stand set up and everything. So, I mean, all you have to do is show up and you have, you know, full access to areas that have not been pressured or stepped on by other hunters. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually that's what I was going to say that too. I mean, anybody that's, that has a disability of any kind, um, and, and you go on that grind, you know, of getting out there and doing your thing and having fun hunting and trying to enjoy it just like everybody else. I mean, I, I commend you guys for that because it's hard enough <laughs> without it. I know, I know, um, uh, a guy I met, his name's Jason Beard. And uh, he's, I'm not going to say what he has because I can't remember the name of it. So, I but he's in a wheelchair, but he's he's basically paralyzed from the neck down. And, uh, but this dude, he, like, he can run a turkey call. And, he, I mean, he's got, they got videos on their Facebook. I think it's the KT, KT team. And, uh. But they do a lot of stuff for people with disabilities, and but he's this dude's pretty legit. Like he's he can call, and he he's pretty he's pretty dang good at running the turkey call with a mouth call. Yeah, I mean that's like I said, that's my niche. I love turkey hunting. You know, for someone that is in a uh, that is in a chair or a disability, I think you know being able to do that, you know, having an animal come to him, I think that's that's the ticket to go as far as you know getting it outdoors and being. Um, you know, being able to um, get that high and get that hype for it. I think, you know, if you want to get back into the outdoors or, you know, into the outdoors in general, I think turkey hunting is the way to go. Nothing against deer hunting, but I think turkey hunting is the way to go because it gets, you know, that adrenaline pumping. You know, you go out the night before and roost a bird, set up a ground blind, and unlike deer, turkeys don't care about ground blinds. Or the ones yeah. that I've hunted with, I, they don't care about ground blinds. Yeah. So if you could do that, you roost the bird before, you know, you have someone help you get into a blind and you call in the bird. I think that is the most, um, the most adrenaline that anyone could ever experience, um, getting back into the outdoors or getting into the outdoors. Yeah. I, man, you got me thinking about turkeys right now, son. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't threaten me with a good time because I'll start strutting and gobbling all around. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do. I, but yeah, we're we're doing this podcast and we're trying to talk about deer. But and a lot of people, you know, I've 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 been dabbling in the turkey calling contest world, and I mean that's that's kind of what I do as far as the most of that's probably the most of what I do is dealing with turkeys and stuff like that. But and most people I know that are in the industry that's what they're known for. So it's, it's, it's real easy for me to get on the subject of turkeys. (laughs) 
man, I don't, I, I don't think that I can ever deny a conversation about turkeys. No, no, I couldn't either. I, I, mm, I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people is like, man, I deer hunt because deer have different characteristics about them. Well, I don't get the joy out of turkey hunting. Well, every turkey gobbles different. Every turkey comes in different. Every turkey dies the same, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I I love deer hunting. To me, to me, deer hunting is not as exciting as turkeys. But it, it and like you kind of touched, you kind of said it too earlier. Is it's a chess match when you're going up against a turkey and trying to get him to come in. But it's also that way with deer hunting depending on how you deer hunt like if you're if you're one of these guys that's got a buck that you're after i mean that's that's a chess match in itself yeah trying to figure out where that you know how to get on that buck but and it's the same with turkeys but there's just something that that can't you can't put into words when it comes to that feeling you get when you've got a turkey coming into you and you see him and he's strutting all the way gobbling man i just I get fired up. I'll tell I'll tell you a, I'll tell you a secret that a lot of people don't know, but after this podcast, a lot will. So I cannot turkey hunt with a compound bow. If I hear bird and it's close, my adrenaline gets so high that I literally shake like I have. Um, what's that? What's that? What's that? Um, uh, Park Parkinson's. Parkinson. Like I shake like I literally like literally have Parkinson's. <laughs> and I cannot, I cannot, I cannot draw my bow. I cannot keep my arrow on a rest, even if it's a like a QAD rest or a drop away. I cannot keep an arrow in that rest. I shake so bad. Yeah, I can't even draw. I can't even draw on a turkey uh, with a compound bow. Mm. I, that that's that's one of the hardest, and that's something I've never got into because I've always believed that God made turkeys to be shot in the face with a shotgun. But I just I, I I I'm not against trying to shoot a turkey with a bow, but I, I don't know, man. You put a two inch broad egg across the nog, and I think it'll do the same as a shotgun. Yeah, it probably do worse, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I just I get so fired up about turkeys, and I think about turkeys every single day. Dude, that that's the I mean, like <laughs> during during the spring, like I am single during the spring, like I don't want any. Like, I don't want any girl to even call me unless it's about turkeys on her place. Like, I'm not taking, like, I don't do dates in the spring. Like, nothing. Like, all I think about is turkey hunting. Yeah, like, well, go ahead. Like, I, I shut off, like, the only thing I want to see on my social media is turkey hunting. Like, don't talk yeah. about um, sports. I mean, I don't want to hear anything about, um, like, anything. Unless it's turkey hunting, that's all I want to hear about. Yeah, yeah. I'm, my wife... She um she always tells me that uh, I'm not her husband during turkey season because it's it's almost like she never sees me. Um, even even throughout the year, man, because I'm always doing something dealing with turkeys all year long. I'll be walking through the house, owl hooting with my voice, um, running my turkey calls, practicing. And and it'll be summertime, and she gets so sick of it. <laughs> you know, I uh, I can't lie. I I do turkey calls just about year round. I mean, I uh, you know, being you know, being Josh, you know, 
Sun South Natural Caller. Um, I have yeah, yeah. the shows, um, and I enjoy it. I think turkey calling is the one thing that I really, you know, put a lot of emotion into calling because, I mean, I think, you know, that is like if I was born again, I'd be a born again turkey. I would hate for it to be that way because I know the end result, but yeah, yeah. I, I think that would be, you know, that would be what I'd come back as. I've always, <laughs> I've always dreamed of if I was a turkey. I've always thought about what I would do, and if I was, if I was a turkey, I would want to be a gobbler, and I'd want to have about a fifteen-inch beard with like two-inch spurs. But I would, I would, if I was a turkey, I would gobble every single day. Which I, I want to be a turkey, knowing what I know as a as a person. <laughs> and I would gobble every day until I saw a truck pull up, and then I wouldn't gobble at all. <laughs> I don't know, man. Even if, you know, <laughs> listen, you guys in Georgia, I know some outlaws in Georgia. It don't matter if you gobble or not. They'll get you. They'll get you in a tailgate. <laughs> I, uh, I wouldn't even wish that on myself. If I was a turkey, I'd be a Bruce Jenner turkey. Like, I would not want to be gobbling at all <laughs> because I know the death wish that is on a gobbler's head. Uh, <laughs> That's good stuff. I'm just saying, I don't want to. I don't want to commit suicide <laughs> by being a gobbler. Yeah, you know what? I would. Yeah. I would rather come back as a Jake than a gobbler. Be a uh, be like a super Jake. No, 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 no. Justin shoots those all the time. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I tell you, you done, you done ragged on Justin twice now. I gotta, I'll have to tell you. Uh, he should have been here on his podcast. Man, oh yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna wish he was now. <laughs> but uh, something about Justin, man, poor Justin. <sighs> he has a hard time sometimes when we're turkey hunting. We, uh, me and him have never really had a whole lot of success turkey hunting together. I mean, we, we, but we've hunted a lot. We've turkey hunted a lot together and probably, I don't know, it's been five, six years ago now. We had never, neither one of us had ever killed a turkey while we were hunting together. And, uh, we go hunting this one time and this turkey comes in, he's, he's gobbling his brains out. He's, he's huge. Like he sounds like he's a 10 year old turkey. And uh, he comes in, he's about 40 yards, and so Justin shoots him. He gets up there, ends up being the Jake. (laughs) 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 And uh, he was all tore up, man. He was all upset. Well, then we go again the next year, (laughs) and these two birds come in. Actually, I don't know. I think the, the two birds was actually the year before, but we go another time and there's two birds. They gobble right off the bat. Like we're in the woods. We're sitting there waiting to hear something. They gobble. So we take off running. We get set up. And we're so fired up and I'm running the camera and they come running into the food plot, but the food plot, the grass is like three foot tall. So Turkey comes in, sticks his head up, Justin shoots him and he runs up there to go get him and his shoulder shrug. And he, he just got that disappointing look. And I could just tell from looking at his back, it was a Jake. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, 
poor Justin, man. Like three, I don't know. It was like there was a span of about three or four years there where he was shooting at a turkey because he was thinking it was a long beard, and it it and from all the indication that we could gather, it should have been because he acted just like a long beard, but it ended up being a Jake. <laughs> Man, listen, if they come in gobbling like a long beard, they want to act like a long beard. They deserve to get shot like a long beard. That's right. That's right. Hey, I I've I usually don't intentionally shoot a Jake. Cause I mean, it's just like with deer. I mean, that's where your long beards come from. You know, if you don't have any Jakes, you ain't gonna have no long beards. But I try not to shoot them, but there was this one time mm, I was hunting. And this property, I hadn't killed a turkey on it yet, man, but I was hunting by myself one time, and it was middle of the day, and uh, I've been calling, been hunting all morning. Well, this bird gobbles way off, and he's like, he's a super jake. He sounds just like a grown turkey. And uh, that's another thing, like down here in the south, I don't know how it is everywhere else, but from what I've heard, they don't they gobble way different down here they gobble like grown men down here. oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and and that's the thing with the jake sometimes they'll gobble and you can't you cannot tell if it's a grown turkey or not but but this bird man he gobbled and so i get up there and i start working him he comes on a string i mean but he's gobbling his head off gobbling his brains out and he just comes up there like he's about to tear me to shreds. And uh, he gets up there, and I notice he don't have he didn't have a beard. And I'm like, there's no way this is a Jake. And then he blows up and goes in a strut, and I saw that fan. I saw them Jake feathers. And I'm like, man. I'm like, oh, well. And I shot him, and I don't care. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, made, he made me more excited. <laughs> I was so fired up, man, when I was calling that turkey in. <laughs> I mean, heck, that you know, listen, man. If if he comes in like a gobbler, acting like a grown man, he's gonna deserve to get shot just like one. That's right. That's right. Yeah, man. I could. We started this podcast wanting to talk about deer and all, and we ended up. I think it's gonna end on talking about turkeys, but that's a good way to end. I think. <laughs> I think that's the best way to. End. <laughs> I could talk about turkeys all, all day. <laughs> well, listen, here's the thing. You can use this podcast for the fall, and then you can use it leading up going into the spring. That's right. So, we'll, and we'll uh, we'll definitely have to do another one uh, before turkey season. Actually, when did, when is y'all's turkey season? Oh, man, they didn't push it back on us till like, April 1st or something like that. It's, it's not going to be good down here in the south, but I don't know. <sighs> Yeah, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to come. Which Justin? I think Justin's been trying to. I saw he put a thing on Facebook. He's wanting. He's wanting you to come and hunt with him or something. But you're gonna I, have to. I don't, think, I don't think Justin wants me to hunt with. Him. I think he just wants me to hold his hand and tell him it's gonna be okay when he misses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it's good stuff. <clears throat> but yeah, yeah, you'll have to. Uh, you definitely have to come down here to Georgia, man. Get on some of these Georgia birds. We got a heap of them. There's turkeys everywhere down here. Actually, no, no. There's there's no turkeys here. So 
<laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no turkey. Listen, I would truly say that there's no turkeys in Louisiana. Yeah, well, if if you if you want to come to Georgia and hunt, then don't worry, don't waste your time. There's no turkeys down here. <laughs> yep, I won't even I won't even come that way. I'll just you know, keep driving. <laughs> no, yeah, you'll have to come and do it, go on a hunt with us, man. That'll be that'll be a blast. Um, oh, man, I, I look I look forward to that. Yeah, we'll have to we'll go hit up some public land. <laughs> You know what? That probably won't be a bad idea. You know, those birds have worked a little bit harder. I like the challenge. Yeah, I love man. I I love hunting public land. I I I don't I don't kill a whole lot of birds on public land, but I probably get on I get on more turkeys on public land than I do on private. I think I really do. It's just the 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 getting them to come within that two hundred yard range is the part that's hard. Getting them within two hundred yards. Well, get that that getting them getting them to commit is the hardest part about it. But as far as going and getting on birds and hearing them, man, it's there. It's eat up with them. Man, I, I once I hear a bird, I'm that bird. If I can get to him, then it's gonna be a it's gonna be the date that he might as well just hang his beard because it's gonna get it's going. Oh happen. yeah, I mean, oh yeah, no doubt. But yeah, yeah, man, Joe. You'll definitely have to come and come and hunt with us. Um, so, where can uh, where can everybody go? I guess get you a plug in. Let everybody know where they can check you out and stuff. Oh, I'm easiest found on social media anywhere from Facebook to Instagram, or you can uh, just type in my name on Yahoo or Google search. Uh, Josh Carney, son of the South, um, son like the kid, not son like the one there. Um, that's my, <laughs> that's my social media form, and, uh, I'm on there a lot, so if you want to drop in, drop a message, say hey, or anything like that, um, just reach out, we can talk about hunting, fishing, or anything like that, it doesn't bother me either way. Awesome, and, uh, I'll, uh, let everybody else know, Strut South TV, Google it, and that's probably the quickest way, but we're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Twitter and with the podcast, you can get us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or Anchor. Um, just go on there, subscribe. It's a lot easier for you to get these episodes. Um, but yeah, I want to. I, I want to thank you, Josh, for coming on today. And uh, it's a great conversation, man. I, I really enjoyed it. Now, man, I appreciate you having me. I look forward to the next time. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs>